Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I'm your host, Sawyer, as always, and today we are starting a new theme of ill-fated sword and sorcery. Yes, I know that's kind of uh, maybe a little cryptic, but you might get what I mean after I tell you about this first movie that I'm doing. The movie we are talking about today is the 1985 Ridley Scott-directed Tom Cruise-starring film called Legend. Now, I've heard about this movie, um, and it's been in my circle for a long time, and what I thought was so interesting about it was that on IMDb, the user score was fairly high, relatively. It was in the sixes, close to seven, and the meta score for the critics was very low. It was in the red. So, that just kind of piqued my interest, and from everything that I've heard of it, it was maybe had some cool ideas and a lot of production value, but absolutely bombed in the theater. And looking at the stats, uh, I'm estimating here from what I remember seeing on IMDb, but it looks like there was about a $25 million budget and they only made about $15 million. So that's a $10 million deficit. So to say this film is ill-fated, um, I think would be um, apropos. And I wanted to know why. And so I picked a couple other movies that had the sim- a similar thing where their meta scores were low and their user scores were high. And I wanted to see what it was about audiences that enjoyed a movie that critics um, seemed to not like and then fit that within the sword and sorcery genre. So now that I've seen Legend, I can say, wow, uh, that's, a, that's a crazy movie, I got to say. In reality, it's not super crazy when you think about the other movies that were happening at the time. You had The Dark Crystal that came out in 1982, and then you had Neverending Story, of course, that came out in 1984. And the fantasy elements within Legend and the art design and the production design feels a lot uh, akin to those movies. So if you love those movies, you might actually not mind this film very much. I think the problem with the film is the editing and you can call it a problem or you can you can like it. I, I think objectively it's pretty bad. Everything is just kind of thrown together and all these crazy elements are just like... There's like this deep lore that they're hinting at with the movie, yet as you're going through the movie, they just pass right by it. And they just introduce characters and leave characters and just they're throwing things at you all the time. It makes it feel like a fever dream. I remember watching it and just being like... Like, what is going on? There is, they're just, okay, oh, okay, now we're going to bring this in here. Okay, uh, you know, we've got goblins who are rhyming for some reason. You've got a swamp monster named Meg Mucklebones that's in one scene, and then you just move on as you, like, like she seems like she's some, like, big character, but you just have one scene with her, and it's like, oh, there's Meg Mucklebones, and they just run off. You've got Tim Curry dressed up as Satan, um, they call him the darkness, but he's obviously Satan, and that is one of the best parts. Honestly, Tim Curry not only outclasses everybody in his acting, but the practical effects are insane on his costume. He has these giant horns that look like they weigh like 80 pounds, and he's huge, rippling abs, you know, like it, basically like the storybook idea of what Satan would look like, even like on the top, on the front of like a, a doom metal album cover, it's it's perfect but juxtapose that with the fanciful la la kind of fairies in the forest and you have tom cruise running around in a loincloth with long flowing hair 
uh, as Jack, this innocent boy, this forest boy of pure innocence who is the only person who can actually find the unicorns, which of course are the embodiment of light in this universe and are the only ones who can harness the light. They are like the physical representations of light in the universe, whereas Satan, or aka Tim Curry, aka the darkness, is the embodiment of darkness in this world, and they're fighting, and it, Tom Cruise finds a suit of armor and then de- refuses to put pants on, and so he's running around pantsless in a suit of armor, trying to fight uh, Satan in a hell dungeon. There's just so, it's crazy. Don't forget Gump, the forest boy, the other forest boy who's a wood elf and has a really weird voice. There is just so many strange choices in this film, and to some of you, this might seem very fun. And to the people that that think this sounds fun, I would say listen, or watch the movie. It's great, you know, for that. If you're looking for something that is wacky and kind of just strange on another level, you got this like crazy '80s soundtrack going on the whole time to the background. These, you know pan flutes and guitar licks and it's very perplexing but at the same time on some level it fits with the aesthetic of the time 1985 you're hitting right in the middle of the middle of the 80s so of course there's going to be some maybe dated vibes but for some people those dated vibes are exactly what they're looking for i think truly the issue with legend is that this movie the one that I watched and the one that everyone else watched in the theater is the theatrical cut, which apparently is about an hour shorter than what Ridley Scott had originally intended. Apparently he had seen a test screening and there were some stoners in the theater who were laughing and not at the intended moments. So they were making fun of it basically and thought it was very silly. And I think he decided then to cut the movie down to make it not diverge so much from the main plot because there was a lot of fleshing out and side plots that were done and eventually there was a director's cut that came out that's about two hours long and I feel like honestly that movie might be better just because the editing of this theatrical cut it it feels like it's a two and a half hour movie that just got butchered in the editing table And I understand why, to an extent, they were trying to maybe cut their losses. They felt like maybe it wasn't going to be so good. And so they just thought maybe we can make this quick and breezy, fit with maybe a more general audience. And in doing so, they took out a lot of the meat that would have made the movie in general just make more sense. Now, of course, if you're looking for a movie that's going to confuse you and make uh, kind of be crazy you know and feel like a fever dream then the theatrical cut might be the one for you i mean it's quicker and it is insane it feels insane as you're watching it all the decisions the one thing that i thought was really funny to me was there's always stuff like flying into tom cruise's mouth for the first half of the film like when they're in the woods at the at the beginning it's all beautiful and there's like these like think of like dandelions blowing you know in the wind and all the little seeds that are flying around and uh, having those get stuck in your mouth. like It's covering the screen at all times during that. And then there's a sequence of winter where it's all snow and all the snowflakes are getting into Jack's mouth. And it's just, it's so funny to me. It seems like there's this theme of them just, I could just see them pouring bags of dandelions, you know, or feathers into a fan offset going into the big giant woodland set. But speaking of the sets, that's one of the best parts of the film. 
The production design is insane. These sets are huge, massive. And um, both in the hell dungeons of d the darkness and then the wooded glen of the forest. And then there's a winter section where the forest gets covered in, in snow. That set is incredible. So I feel like they really utilize their $25 million. But production value and impressive makeup does not a great movie make or maybe even a successful movie in the box office it definitely helps with the age of it the movie feels aged but also it aged impressively in other aspects like the production design and the makeup design um but then you have like the acting which is it's yikesy at best to be honest and besides tim curry who is like just standing heads and shoulders above everybody else in the acting job the rest of the cast is definitely struggling. Some of them, like the dwarves, or I guess they're dwarves. They don't. I don't know if they ever really say if they're dwarves or not. It's like the anti-goblins. There's goblins, and then there's these guys. They might all just be goblins, and there's good goblins and bad goblins. I'm not sure. Once again, the movie's kind of crazy. But those guys uh, do a pretty good job at acting just because they're kind of playing that, like, kooky fantasy character from any of those movies like I talked about, Never Ending Story, stuff like that. But uh, Jack, Tom Cruise, and his girlfriend, Lily, they, uh, <laughs> it's just, they're just silly. And honestly, that they're kind of weird, uh, very overdramatic fantasy acting kind of fits the vibe, to be honest. Like, objectively, it's not very good acting, but put that 80s soundtrack behind it, put the backdrop on it. Their, their characters themselves are very, you know, they're, He's a boy who represents innocence in its purest form. You know, that's, of course, he's going to act like that. I think one of the things that didn't help was the overdubbing of all the voice acting, and especially in the first half of the film. And I heard that the reason why they did that was because the sets were so large and noisy that you couldn't hear what any of the actors were saying. So they had to re record and overdub. And that definitely does not help the acting department and how it feels when you're watching it. At the same time, once again, and this is becoming a theme, that weirdness that it creates, that strangeness also enhances the movie if you're looking at it to enjoy it for its craziness, of its wackiness, to ironically enjoy the um, kind of bad decisions that were made that end up making it very enjoyable. I have to give this movie probably a 6.5 or maybe even a 7 out of 10 because the movie was enjoyable. I watched the movie all the way through and I was entertained the whole entire time. Was I laughing a lot? Yes. Was I enjoying the production value? Yes. Was I enjoying the makeup? Yes. I loved Tim Curry's costume. So there are lots of things to enjoy and if you are able to laugh off and enjoy the novelty of the film, having a young Tom Cruise having this acting that's so strange, having these fantasy elements kind of thrown at you and, and on a roller coaster of a never-ending story, Dark Crystal kind of movie, then this movie is going to be very enjoyable for you. Um, do I understand why it lost $10 million in the box office? 100%. Um, so it's not very bad, but it's also, it's not as bad as the critics are saying it was at the time. But it's definitely not as good as maybe some people would say. So I would give it a solid, we're going we're gonna to go 6.5 out of 10. Enjoyable, if you're into this kind of stuff, if you like The Dark Crystal, if you like Never Any Story, if you like The Princess Bride, watch this movie because it's really fun and the Tom Cruise stuff is great. So that's really all I have to say about the movie. Um, I think that the 
Uh, director's cut was probably a better way to go and I might watch that in the future and see kind of what my rating would be on that. But for right now, we're going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 and move on to the next movie. Next week, we are going to be doing a movie called Beastmaster. I think after this theme, I'm going to start giving people hints at the next movie I'm going to do for the week just to kind of have some fun. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people probably haven't heard of Beastmaster, but for the ones who have uh, are probably smiling right now because the movie seems kind of crazy and it's kind of like a knockoff He-Man. So... Uh, Look forward to that, and I will see you guys next week.